these have been fielded in military and law enforcement applications for going on 30, 40 years now. What does a red dot allow us to do? Not look at the gun. And the magic of it is, is that the dot is, is omnipresent no matter what focal length you're focused at. What is up, everybody? Mark on the mic here. Mr. Adam Maxwell across from me at Vortex Optics here right now. Uh, favorite Ad- place to be. Oh, dude, it is my favorite place. Every day. Uh, it's uh, it's always a joy to come to work. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't feel like work. But it's a but it's a special day when you get to be on the podcast. Well, it's, and this is it's not... It's been a minute. This isn't your first time. I know. It's It's been a while. But you get to do it all the time, though. You're just living your best life. Yeah. <sighs> You're 100% right. <laughs> I, I don't even know. Like, I don't even know what to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, got, I got nothing. Yeah, correct, Adam. You are correct. Boy, Adam, um, I got a problem. Problems? Got I've solutions. Got, I've got uh, a few different firearms. Yep. Different different platforms. Mm-hmm. Three, in mm-hmm. fact. And I've been trying to uh, pick an optic to go on top of them. Mm-hmm. They all do different things. The whole process has me seeing red <laughs> red dots that is <laughs> that was a long way to go for a pun <laughs> uh it's funny here's the deal it's the answer that i keep coming back to for each of them for how i intend to use them mm-hmm. and uh i think it speaks to the versatility of the red dot and that's what we're going to talk about today, the versatility of red dots. Absolutely. I mean, like when I first started at here at headquarters at Vortex, I was pretty closed-minded to a lot of red dot applications. Why was, why was that? Well, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool 1911 guy, you know. I just no. I just, I just liked them the way they were. Um, Old man Adam. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but the nature of my role at that time in customer care was um, directly working with rifle scope repair and and red dots fall under rifle scope repair. So I had to do a lot of troubleshooting on red dots. So got pretty familiar with them, uh, both from the troubleshooting side and then started using them more as well in various applications. Transitioned from, you know, at that time in the sport, I was uh, three gun, I was shooting a division that didn't use a whole lot of optics. Well, there's another division called open where you can use a ton of them. So like, well, if I have to be pretty knowledgeable about these things, maybe I should shoot the division that has more of them in them. And uh, as I became more exposed, uh, went on kind of the organic discovery of the capabilities of red dots, and and uh, yeah, it's they are a, a very versatile tool for a lot of marksmanship applications for sure. Uh, what do you do? Uh, what are you doing now at Vortex Optics? Uh, right now, I'm a, a law enforcement sales account manager, um, primarily focusing on the Western U.S. So. Um, but uh, field rep for, for our law enforcement customers um, throughout the country and, de- and developing that market for us, especially as, as uh, new products like we're going to talk about today come online. Um, it's, uh, it's a growing segment for us. So, so um, being in touch with, with those customers and their needs is primarily what we do now. Those guys using red dots? That red dots are a big thing in the law enforcement sector right now. The, the, uh, the, renaissance of red dots onto handguns is is ongoing i would say we're at the peak probably of um 
you know, if we would rewind two, three years ago, it was still new. And in that realm, you don't want to be the first guy that does something. A lot of times they want, okay, well, some, some other major accredited agency did this first, so it's okay for us to. Well, now we've had some of those uh, influential progressive agencies adopt them. They made it okay. And now the, the crescendo of, of um, most, I think most agencies when they're, when they're doing a, a purchase of handguns or they're, they're evaluating their, their firearm systems, uh, red dots on handguns is, is right at the top of the list of things getting talked about. Because usually, usually departments, they're on a five or ten year cycle. I was just going to ask that, like, how yeah. often are they reevaluating, like, whatever I guess you know, quotation mark system right. they're using? Right. You kind of caveat that every agency is different. Yeah. But if we were to like think of agencies that are making a unilateral decision, thou shalt, you know, everything will be. Um, if they're looking at something, they usually look at it on a five or a ten year cycle. So like, they either have to buy handguns for new recruits, or they they need to replace. You know, a certain amount of them have aged out. Um, they kind of evaluate that decision on a five or a 10 year cycle. So like a big one, um, uh, you know, DPS in Texas being an example, they're a pretty public one. Um, they, they decide that every five years. Um, so <clears throat> they, um, they just evaluated handgun red dots, uh, last spring. Mm-hmm. And so everybody, you know, they lay out their specs, everybody who wants to apply applies. They sub- they do all their tests, all, all the things you would think an agency would do. And they, they put out a white paper on it. If you're interested in going and finding it, it's out there. Um, but they run the test. They say, these ones are approved. These ones are not. And that's how it is for the next five years. So if we come out with a new product next year, they're like, okay, well, we'll see you in three years. Oh, interesting. Kind of, kind of yeah. thing. They're like, well, we decided now we'll redecide then. And then they're doing the same thing with handguns next year. Next year, the the timer is up on handguns. Anybody who wants to submit handguns will submit handguns. And I think, you know, the firearms cadre, I think they do something every year. So then it'll be carbines the next year, and then it'll be carbine optics year, and then there'll be suppressors or whatever it is. But they generally decide that stuff in, in five- and ten-year cycles on the, on the government side. So, you know, they'll come up, <clears throat> you know, our Glocks are now ten years old. And they will either trade in what they have on new ones, or if they were going to switch a brand, usually that's a that's a a junction point where they're they're going to make a pivot is usually in those those blocks. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, uh, boy, and 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 we've been saying it, but I mean, it does. There just does seem to be a, a, a bit of just like a paradigm shift of. Uh, Red dots on on pistols. Oh, absolutely. Becoming more more the rule than the exception. Absolutely. Um, like if we look at the competitive sports, you know, I'm involved in the action shooting sports as well. If you look at participation numbers in USPSA, like there's there's equipment divisions that encompass pretty much any kind of handgun you could think of. Mm-hmm. Um, participation by numbers, forty five percent are just in one division, one fairly contemporary red dot pistol division and then if we expand it to the next like two pretty much i think i think 60 percent of that sport is currently shooting a red dot system where if you would go back five years it would be completely the opposite there's only a couple places you could use them they weren't that popular 
all the competitive heat was in iron sighted divisions. But um, as the technology has gotten better, uh, the guns are integrating them better. And generationally, uh, a, a group of, of newer shooters, uh, they, they didn't grow up on iron sights. They grew up on video games. Mm-hmm. And so video games, that interface is very much like a red dot. So they kind of already understand that a cursor points and clicks at things. A red dot points and, and, and hits things. They transition right over over to that and that's when they when they saw it in a game a lot of times uh, people are trying to to live action things they've done in virtual reality now mm-hmm. it's like well that was cool in the game i want to do that in real life mm-hmm. um and that's influenced a lot of it as well so as the traditional you know people who grew up watching john wayne as they age out the people who are coming in um cut their teeth on on um on media like that and that was their first exposure to guns and they want to shoot guns like that so yeah i mean maybe this is a parallel along with that but you even you'd look at the sight picture of a red dot whether i don't care what whether it's a you know a tube style like like the strike fire or you know the, the spark solar but you do have kind of that um it's like a screen mm-hmm. we spend a lot of time on screens these days we do well also it's it, it it lends itself to the way your eye wants to work. Yeah. Because focal length, your eye can only focus at one focal length at a time, right? Like mm-hmm. I can read your hat or I can read the sign on the wall behind you. I can't do both at the same time. Archaically, though, when firearms came into the picture, that's where the concept of an iron sight was introduced, where we have like two points of reference on something and we're trying to line up how this projectile is going to get launched. But there are eons of projectile weapons before that that had no iron sights. Like there's there's no, on a conte- not on a contemporary, I don't know about a longbow now, but a traditional longbow, there's no sight. Right. right. All right. I think about. I mean, think about throwing uh, a spear. Throwing a spear. Or, or even you know what a lot of people have done, throwing a football. Right. Yep. You're not looking at. You're not looking at the football, as I'm trying to throw it to you down the field, Adam. Football. I'm just looking at you. Yeah. Darts, uh, billiards, pool, bowling, uh, basketball. Like, how do you aim all those shots? You look at the thing you're trying to hit. You look really hard at that thing, and that's the focal length that you're focused at. That's how a red dot works, whereas iron sights work in the opposite. They're making you focus on something really close to your face. That's not the thing you're trying to hit, and you have to hold those in reference to each other. This system gives you the freedom to do what your eye naturally wants to do anyway. You you are allowed to just fully... um, uh, focus your vision on the point of interest and let let your body do the rest of the work and and it kind of puts it into a subconscious uh, skill set as well which that's what your subconscious brain is is wired to do anyway so the more you're trying to do subconscious thing consciously that's where that's where the human element gets in the way and the beautiful thing about red dots is it gets a lot of that out of the way and it simplifies something from how it's been traditionally done in the last, we'll say 200, 300 years into the way it's been since the beginning of time as, as predatory mammals, we look at the thing we're after and we, we focus on that and then the rest of it is allowed to happen. It's really interesting to think about that 
I feel like oftentimes technology brings us further away from things we've done mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the past, historically. Yep. Yes. But in some ways, all of this new technology is bringing us back to how we traditionally do This particular things. one does. Yeah. This particular one does. Um, primarily vision. And I would say that's primarily the advantage of it. Um is that it brings back that reflexive reflexive element that was kind of missing from firearms for a long time. And then it does other things too, like um, uh, when we start talking about red dots on handguns, one of the first things that newer folks to red dots on handguns will bring up is finding the dot. Sure. I mm-hmm. need to present the gun so I can find the dot. Um, first, they have to understand that that the dot isn't what they're looking for, right? That's, again, you're looking at the gun instead of the target kind of thing Mm -hmm. but also um if they do the math on and lots of folks will talk about like when we come out with a red dot product they start talking about dot size like how many moa is the dot i can't have too big of a dot or it's going to cover up target area right Mm -hmm. um so like our common sizes are three and six moa uh there's products on the market not uncommon for there to be a an eight or nine moa that's there's there's um precedent for that um but if we think about the iron sight world Nobody talks about iron sights in terms of MOA, but Travis and I were actually doing math on this the other day. So I was preparing uh, for a law enforcement presentation. Mm-hmm. The thinnest iron sight you can buy on the market, a Dawson 100, is one tenth of an inch wide. Okay. Very rare. It's 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 uh, if you have one, it's because you bought it on purpose. Like it's it's, sure. it's a rare sight, uh, in in the broad scheme of things. The Dawson 100 is 69 MOA. <laughs> that sounds like a number we would make up, but no, it's actually like 68.9372. But what's, it's 69 MOA is the smallest iron sight you can get. What's so funny is if you uh, if you were like, oh yeah, we came out with a red dot sight and the dot is you know 69 MOA. Yeah, people would like laugh. nobody would buy it. They'd be like, are you yeah. an insane person? Yeah, exactly. Like, um, oh man, oh nine MOA, oh way too big. Don't no, right. we can't it's not possible. You couldn't Oh, you think nine's big? How about right. yeah, <laughs> how about how do you feel about sixty nine? Um, um I do wanna I'm gonna so I'm gonna do a couple things here. Like you alluded to earlier, kind of a new product alert. So I don't wanna mm-hmm. I don't wanna bury it too deep because actually that's the product that's on the pistol that you have on the table. If you're mm-hmm. watching on YouTube, that's that's the the red dot that's on Adam's pistol here. We've got one uh, that's been showcased the whole time on our uh you know, our, our, our vortex wood block that's been here since we started the podcast and we set things on it. Yeah. Right. Um, pedestal of prodigy, but even just speaking to kind of going back to, to when we introduced this topic and I've said this before, but we've just seen red dots infiltrate like nearly every aspect of shooting, of hunting. We, we did a podcast not mm-hmm. that long ago, and, and so maybe some of the things I say might be redundant, uh, but for good reason. Uh, we did one on just, you know, hunting with mm-hmm. red dots. Putting, you know, you know, maybe you don't need a magnified optic mm-hmm. on your hunting rifle, depending on what you're chasing, how you're chasing it, and where you're chasing it. A red dot might be mm-hmm. the best option. Dude, you used to never see red dots on turkey guns. Mm-hmm. That's another thing where we're seeing that shift where, mm-hmm. you know, I... I guess, you know, I'm surrounded by people here at Vortex, so I think we all have red dots on our on our turkey guns. <laughs> it's but not even, like that. 
but uh, but you even across the board, like you go into the field, and like yeah, that guy's got a red dot. That, you know, you you see somebody at a parking area, it's like yep, mm-hmm. they've got a red dot. Um, and that was even something like I was a bit of a traditionalist when it mm-hmm. came to that. I'm like, man, I've been rocking birds with a front bead uh, for a long time. It works. And then I went to a red dot, and I'm like, oh my god, like it's like legal cheating, like as far as like shooting oh, yeah. the turkey in the in the face, like yeah. Um, uh, you know, AR-15s, I think that's kind of where we saw them really, mm-hmm. you know, get their, get their foothold. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking to, uh, Ruben yesterday. He just got back from, uh, DSC in Texas. I think often referred to as the Dallas Safari Club, right? He said there was a, oh, a large, yeah. a large, uh, constituent of people from Africa. And... He was talking to guys that are putting, and and I saw a picture. I can't I can't remember the context, but I saw a red dot on a double rifle. Mm-hmm. That, you know, not that long ago, I was like, oh man, that's kind of crazy. And it's almost I. In some ways, I had some of those same feelings of like even putting a red dot on a shotgun. I'm like, oh, that's you know, that's different. It seems like kind of like out of place at first. And he, he was talking to guys. I mean, these are, you know, PHs. They're hunting dangerous game. They're backing up clients. You know, people's lives are depending on them you know, making a shot, they're putting these red dots on some of the biggest cartridges known to man. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the, the funny thing was when I was talking to Ruben, it was kind of like, uh, I guess, you know, like that next generation. And he said, uh, you know, one of the guys said, oh yeah, our, our dads hate it, but we love it. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm a big history guy, right? So like when I was, when I was of an impressionable age, reading uh, Guns and Ammo and and Peterson's Hunting and all that mm-hmm. stuff, uh, I remember an article. I wish I still ha- I held on to some of those magazines. I don't think I held on to this one, but it it drew the parallel of how um, sporting technology lags behind military technology, right? Okay. So you know, military went to the cartridge, cartridge, cartridge to lever action, lever action to bolt action going into, you know, that would catch us up to 1900. Okay, right. Um, so coming out of World War II, um, a semi-automatic 30-06 was the pinnacle of military technology, right? The greatest battle implement ever devised, M1 Garand. So that's current military technology. Well, okay, so a bunch of Springfield 03s are on the market as surplus, and that is where bolt-action rifles really started displacing lever-action rifles as sporting rifles. Okay. Right? Well, and then we move up through the Cold War, and then military adopts M16. Okay, so now M16 is primary, the the tippy-top. Okay, well, now M1 Garand starts to look more like a sporting rifle. Those start getting sold on the surplus market and and leaking into um, the sporting market. When I grew up... In the late 90s, early 2000s, in the Arrowhead of Minnesota, northern Wisconsin, I, you know, they always say the Winchester 94 is the quintessential deer rifle. Mm-hmm. I never saw one of those in the field, except with one exception. But I saw Remington 742s. Okay. All right. So, like, everybody had a, a semi-automatic, you know, four-shot, deer rifle that was a deer rifle you know and then you know progress now i mean you're very likely to see ar-15s in the field ar-10s in the field as sporting rifles 
back to red dots. So a topic that I talk to law enforcement a lot about is low power variables, right? I think we've been on the podcast talking about them before. Well, part of my presentation on that, I try to go back into where this came from because a lot of times in law enforcement, it's like, well, this is the new thing. Is this the new thing that the gun guys want or do we actually need this? Um, so I tried to track down where the, the genesis of LPVOs were, which leads back to somewhat the genesis of red dots. Okay. Because red dots, the very first red dot systems, I wish Ryan was here because he would know the name of it, but there was one in Vietnam that was an occluded system. You couldn't see through it, but you use it, you use it by having both eyes open. You see a dot, you see past the dot, your brain puts the two together, but didn't really become successful until the nineties and in the battle of Mogadishu time period, everyone's familiar with the movie Black Hawk Down. That that era is when the very tip of the anti-terrorism spear of the military was starting to use red dots. And that was 1993 big army. Wasn't touching it for a long time, but then that, you know, that the military's experience in that particular battle, um, ignited a lot of interest in a lot of things they were doing. Like a lot of what we accept today as common practice for combat trauma medicine, tourniquets everybody's wearing tourniquets now that started from task force rangers experience in mogadishu so they go through the 90s digesting all that stuff we come into the late late 90s early 2000s and that's when the sop mod program uh, was essentially being fielded by socom to field a suite of accessories with an m4 and in that was a ver a variety of optics and that was where we really started to see the M68, the EOTech, um, early the, the ACOGs. That's where they first started to see military use in commonality, you know, common for common for SOCOM. So we were already like elite in SOCOM and then something becomes common there and then it trickles down into big army and then the towers fall and, you know, now we're in a war. Um, Trickle-down technology of the SOCOM approved optics was how that how that all came to be and so now we have a generation of people who were either participated in that conflict or are aware of it and that technology is trickling out into the the sporting market but that 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 trickle down of of military technology into the sporting market and then we just talked about how slow the gears of change turn in the government sector um it's interesting to see how kind of kind of throttled it is how how it kind of trickles out pretty slow because the influence on the sporting market is the military law enforcement market which is already slow to change and it takes a while to convince them to change you know so i i find that that evolution all um very interesting when we talk about applications to sporting optics where these have been fielded in military and law enforcement applications for going on 30 40 years now yeah you know but just now today, it's still kind of taboo to think about a red dot on a shotgun. I mean, I myself, it's kind of, it's like, it just doesn't seem, I wouldn't go duck hunting with a red dot if I, well, that's, or would I, you know? That's just it. You know, I I was thinking about that today, you know, mm -hmm. getting ready for this podcast. I'm like, I'm like, holy mackerel. Like, if we're seeing red dots on double rifles, mm -hmm. which I would consider like, you know, one of the hardest recoiling, but also like, you know, just like almost like esteemed with like history and tradition. Mm -hmm. 
and then folks are putting red dots on them yeah. because it's making it work better. Mm-hmm. I'm like, are, are you know, waterfowl shotguns going to be that next thing? Are we going to start to see that trickle? By the way, I didn't know we were going to talk about uh, the, the topic of trickle-down optics today, uh, Adam. But, Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but are, are we going to see a shift there? And I'm like, I guess I just, I do know how much I like the sight picture that I get with a red dot. I do like how I stay target focused. Uh, it's extremely intuitive. Uh, I feel like, you know, if I was water, and I don't do a ton of waterfowling, but I'm like, I'm just kind of like been thinking about this. If I was um, like gauging my lead, I feel like could be easier with a red dot. If I use that dot and I can tell, uh, oh, I hit, you know, uh, in front of or behind that bird, I feel like I'm going to have a better, uh, more of a data point perhaps of like where I need to hold the next time I'm presented with that situation. Um, I don't know, man. And, and, and particularly like the size too, like, um, you know, maybe, you know, like, and, and I love the strike fire too. It's like a tube style red dot, a little bit, little bit larger framed, uh, dot, uh, well, I can't really see that on my waterfowl shotgun. No, and I think but size some, held it up for a long time too. Like it's not practical because it's so big. But now that we made it so small, right? You know, we have the ability to, uh, to with like some of these more you know reflex style. I don't know. Like that. That's just one thing. And this isn't. Uh, this is not a podcast about you know putting a dot on your waterfowl shotgun. Or maybe, maybe or is it? Or is it? Cause maybe like, we'll do one specifically on that down the road. TBD. I mean, three gun evolved to the point where they opened up more optics into more divisions and so uh, that division is called modified and so they're like one of the things we're going to allow is red dots on shotguns and i was like whatever and, and i work here right all right and i'm like i don't need a red dot on my shotgun i mean i guess because because i wear the vtx i'm gonna do it but like i don't need that but i tried it and is pretty cool. Like I have, I have a brand new Super Black Eagle Three with, with a red dot on it, which even while while you were just talking there, I was thinking back to when I first learned how to wing shoot, um, at uh, at the uh, at the firearm safety program that I went through at a, at a gun club, the guy chain smoking cigarettes that was teaching us how to how to old school wing shoot, the the most peculiar thing he told me but he was absolutely right don't look at the gun all right that was that was the strangest thing to 12 year old me is like what do you mean don't look at the gun I mean, we're here i'm shooting the gun right shouldn't i look at it i gotta like, aim. I, I gotta like aim right don't look at the gun well what does a red dot allow us to do not look at the gun and and that's like the magic of it is is that the dot is is omnipresent no matter what focal length you're focused at like a lot of folk like when we're looking at it in the gun store and people will be like well it's not you know it's kind of starbursty or whatever like okay but like that's not really the point it's not really intended to be focused and crisp at at a given focal length otherwise we'd make it that way but it is there so that when you're looking through it you are conscious of where it is and you're looking at something else. You know, it's the cursor on your screen, on your on your desktop or your laptop. Do you actually watch the arrow go across and click on the icon? No, you look at the icon, you move the mouse, and then and when it gets there, you click on it, right? Same thing with the red dot. We're essentially introducing that, not introducing, but we're 
we're normalizing that sort of cursor um, interface to aiming aiming a uh, a projectile. It just makes a lot of sense, and it just oftentimes seems like the most practical answer, yeah. whether it, whether it's an AR, a shotgun. Mm-hmm. Or a pistol, and it's small enough to be practical. Now, that's essentially how all this started. Was they, they micro, they miniaturized a red dot to the point where they could mount two optics on a carbine, right? Because they had a mm-hmm. fixed power prism, and then they were trying to put a reflexive sight on top of it. Once they made one that was that small, somebody big brain somewhere was like, "Well, this is small enough now. I could." thread some holes onto my pistol and put it on a pistol and like nobody had thought of that before but all of a sudden you know pictures of the roll and special start floating around and now now these are pistol red dots and they weren't even designed to be pistol red dots and then we had to go through the, the evolution of designing redesigning so that they could live in that environment well now they can live on shotguns too like as we've as we've evolved the form factor it's become more practical to put in other other applications are, are people are people using red dots on on archery equipment, I'm not even. Is that? Uh, yeah, yet? we did a podcast on it one time. Did you? So there are. I'd say I wouldn't say it's uh, the norm, but there are some systems, and you know, for some folks, um, it's really the best way for them to shoot a bow is with with red dot, which is kind of interesting. And um, so I bet fast forward fast forward ten years, it's probably common practice. I would. I would bet if it follows the trend of carbines and pistols and shotguns, I would, you know, that that method of aiming I think is is catching on because it's very intuitive for for a lot of these short to intermediate distance applications. Yeah, it certainly can be. Um, well, and then you know, no secret, like you said, like oh, dots are smaller, so now they fit on pistols. But now, like firearms manufacturers, you know, I'd say particularly, I'm just gonna. Like these dots have been in front of us the whole time, particularly for dots like the Defender ST, mm-hmm. like we have here that we're going to talk about here a little bit more in detail. But you're seeing, um, like, you know, shotgun manufacturers or uh, pistol manufacturers, you know, they're accommodating the form factor of the firearm itself to better complement the red dot, the yep. optic. Um, so you're seeing these things come together. And we're seeing, we've actually are seeing the point where now firearms manufacturers are discontinuing the non-optic compatible versions. Like it's going to be, it's not too far out where it's just not, it's going to, it's going to be special order to get one that's not optic ready. You're going to be like, oh yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to get a trad pistol. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, Atlas Gunworks being one of them, uh, they, they discontinued a few of their iron sight only models in 2024 they just don't sell enough of them to to move forward on it i mean try buying a glock 17 that's not mos right now it's it's kind of difficult um i mean and if that's not an indicator of the shift i don't know what is like it doesn't make financial sense for us to make this anymore essentially right i mean one of the things i mean you remember a few years ago when the hudson pistol came out at at shot show okay about 2019 2018 time frame the new hotness right uh everybody wanted one and like okay cool and they're just getting off the ground and like we're coming out with the aluminum frame one we're coming out with the optic ready one people are like oh i'm gonna wait for those they stopped buying them that company went out of business they almost 
they almost went out of business in large part because they didn't have an optic ready pistol. As soon as that was an option, that's what people wanted and they didn't buy the iron sighted version. That's crazy. I mean, it also makes sense. It's not, yeah. cra- it's not crazy yeah, right. that it happened, but you know, yeah. Um, let's talk, uh, let's talk. Well, also I will point of order. We've got a bunch of dots on the table. Um, I'll just go through them right now. So this is, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm going right to left, uh, spark solar, uh, the crossfire. Now I do have a, uh, a UH one mm-hmm. here, which is not a red dot. It's a holographic weapon site, but I did because it has similar functionality. I, not functionality, similar use similar, and practice, similar functionality facilitated in a different way. Yeah. Uh, so I put it on there, got a magnifier here, which is a cool way to complement your red dot site. Yep. You know? Uh, yep. And then the uh, the good old strike fire too. So, uh, but we're talk- almost almost in chronological order there. I think, yeah, darn near. Uh, but the Defender ST that's what's on your pistol right now. That's what we have in the box here. We can pull it out of the box if we feel like it. But this one should suffice. Uh, what's going on with this thing, Adam? You've uh, you've run it a fair amount, yes. I have, yes. Um, this this particular one, this is one of our pre-production samples. I have a documented fifteen thousand rounds on this one. Um, I believe test protocol goes out beyond fifty thousand rounds um, in in the actual product testing. Um, but yeah, I've spent quite a bit of time with them. With proper application of electrical tape, you can you can conceal these in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> and people will not recognize them as as not CCWs, um, but um, but yeah, I would say we've been having experience with them now for uh, about a year, um, and very excited about it because again, like th- this technology was evolving, and kind of the last iteration of our micro open emitter red dots was from that generation of time where they were designed as ca- supplemental carbine uh, red dots. The application of a pistol is fairly specific, so going to the drawing board and coming out with a pistol-specific red dot is what's exciting about this uh, to us. Um, and then one that is is um, this form factor, so it's uh, it's ruggedized and it's large enough to be competitive window size to, to other things on the market but still fit in a duty holster. Um, we're super excited about it on the law enforcement side because it's going to be a, a big player for us where um, where we've been a little bit short um, to date. Uh, so that's what's really exciting about it to us. It's not that it does anything super cool or, or different than anybody else doesn't do. It's just that we're really excited to bring bring our version of it um, to the market with the feedback that we've gotten from, from customers. So all, all the feedback we've heard over the years of accessibility, accessibility to the battery, how the people want the buttons set up, what they want the buttons to feel like, how many illumination settings they want, uh, how big a window they want, how, you know, how rugged of a housing does it have to be? Does it have uh, a backup aiming capability? You know, how does it interface with iron sights? Like it's really cool for all of that, all of that work to come together in a product and, and, and launch it to the public. So, yeah. And I should mention, so this is an extension of our defender dot series so we we uh you know up to date right now we have the defender ccw which i would say is kind of like a you know an even smaller yet version of this uh a lot of parallels i mean 
Uh, and, uh, and this is, like you said, it's, you know, just a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger housing, a little bit bigger window. Um, I'd say like m- maybe more of like a do all, if you will. I don't know. Would you agree with that? Yes. Like kind of like that, ha- like you want to, like I look at this and I go, Hmm, maybe for Turkey season, this is the dot that I'm going to go with, you know? Um, but also I'd put it on a pistol or I, it's kind of like, what do you want to do with it? Yeah. CCW checked a lot of those boxes for us, except it. You do find yourself in the place where it's like, man, I wish it was just a little bit bigger. Right. There's a few. There's a few times where it's like, I just wish it was a little bit bigger, and that's what what this is. Um. Uh, the CCW is in its class for for a micro footprint red dot has a really big window. It has a window that's the same size as some of the the pioneers of the segment originally did. Um. And now this one is bigger than the CCW, so it is now, I mean, it, I would say it's it's 10, 20% larger than those dots that kind of set this paradigm in motion of, of red dot handguns. There are certainly others that are even even more massive out there, but um, for like heart of the market, what people, this is, this is the well-rounded size, because they do, you know, we have played with some of the other ones that are bigger, and it does get to a point where it's too big for some application. I mean, if you put a UH-1 on top of a pistol, like that is too big. So there is, there is too big. Right. Um, I think this is kind of the Goldilocks size. It, it's, it does all the things. It's big enough to have some forgiveness, but it's not so big that it's, it's cumbersome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could see it, you know, like, it's like, yeah, we have a CC dub, but I could also see this on a carry pistol, you know, mm-hmm. like it's like, it's, it's not going to rule it out. Um, yeah. A lot of the same features, uh, available in three and six MOA mm-hmm. dot size, you know, mm-hmm. so, uh, user, user preference there. Uh, it's got the, the textured, uh, front for fast racking. Uh, you've got the, the shock shield up here for, um, you know, just to, to aid in, in, I guess, uh, vibration dampening. Yes. Or, mm-hmm. and the initial impact. Okay. On the like the people who like to, to drop them on the ground, the uh, the initial impact this disperses some of that initial blow, and set because the, the the piece of glass inside is very brittle, right? So we need to diffuse shock away from from the actual piece of glass. So the initial the uh, the rubber bumper helps initiate transferring that energy through the aluminum frame so gotcha. that it doesn't get to the glass. Gotcha. Uh, like you mentioned before, top load battery, you know, everybody wants top load battery now. Very easy to access, uh, man, controls on off dot brightness, you know, super easy, very streamlined. Yep. The thing I thought was cool too, that's probably going to be undersold is, um, there's a little bit of a, a notch in the back here where the elevation screw is. Sure. And, um, the particular, I call it deck height. I'm not sure what the engineers call it, but the the height from the plate of the pistol to the top of the uh, the emitter housing there, I call that deck height. The deck height and that notch that's in the back there works as an iron sight, a rear iron sight, and every pistol I've tried it on, a standard height front sight is the right height sight for the 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 rear sight front sight relationship matches up. It's like a 25-yard zero on every pistol that I've tried it on. Very interesting. Now, pistol dimen- or pistol sight dimensions are the Wild West, so I'm sure someone will find an exception to that. But, uh, I mean, of the ones that I have, you know, the sample size of the ones that I own, um, 
you don't need to have an additional rear sight mounted somewhere. That was one of the pioneer things that people were doing. Like, well, do we mount it in the back or do we mount it in the front? Um, you don't need one at all now because we have rear sight essentially integrated into the housing itself. So all we need is a point, a front point of reference to, uh, uh, to have a secondary aiming system, which is important to a lot of the, the defensive customers. And then also there's a, um, there's a little notch in the top of the housing here. It's actually for the battery tool. So it's, it's a little recess so that they can oh, fit the screwdriver sure. in there. Yeah. But a lot of folks will arbitrarily, um, they'll use a paint pen or something and they'll make a mark on the top here. And they use that as another, um, backup aiming system. If they have some kind of electrical failure, well now here's a hard machined in reference point. That's not ink that you can also, a lot of guys will use that as some of the, the backup aiming techniques if you have a dead battery or it's not turned on or something like that, emergency use. But there's a lot of, a lot of subtleties like that worked into in the Defender series that in and of themselves aren't game changers, but the way it all comes together, it's a, it's a nice little dish, you know? It's a, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a nice little system. Um, yeah, it's just, it's sure... It's like we're broken record, you know, being advocates for uh, for red dots on pistols, um, and I'm sure there's folks out there that are like, of course you are, mm -hmm. you know, but uh, I don't know, dude. And I I shoot very little pistol at them, mm -hmm. so uh, actually, so that means a red dot is really good for a person like me. But I I was uh, down shooting with uh, with uh, Pete the other day, kind of doing some prep work for a uh, a future video production that we're going to be doing. Ryan and I are going to be doing a little You're bit You're going to be in a movie? No. Well, a YouTube video. Oh. A Vortex YouTube video. Oh. Um, where Ryan and I are going to be doing some, some pistol shooting. Yeah. Now, what I should do, knowing how much pistol shooting you do, yeah. is just, like, have you be my proxy. Yeah. Like, be like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I yeah, could be I, like your stunt double. Yeah, I'm going to, like, tag you I could in. lose, like, 70 pounds and, like, people would think I'm you. Like, tag <laughs> <laughs> like take team wrestling, get in there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so I was down, I was down shooting with Pete. But like, and then some of the stuff that you talked about, though, as far as like, um, he was just you know walking me through some stuff and and being able to stay target focused. He's like, don't stay dot focused, stay target focused. And then we we were doing some shooting, and I was actually proud of myself at this point because he occluded the, you know the, the window. Mm -hmm. Uh, covered it up, but I didn't know he'd. I didn't know he'd covered it up. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, so I felt good about that. Later on in the process, though, like I was hit. I was getting some some you know low left impacts. Not not too surprising, I guess. When you know you got somebody who doesn't shoot a lot of pistol shooting a pistol, uh, and he goes, I think you're. I think you're. I think you've actually gotten dot focused. And I thought, and I go, I have been. <laughs> yep. Well, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> but uh, even so, though, guarantee my shooting with the dot is much mm -hmm. better uh, than without. And and we did just some like, hey, you know, uh, like actual take your time aiming, you know, mm -hmm. press the trigger, uh, and you know, getting like I was shooting some some tight groups that I guarantee were better than if I was just shooting open sights. Mm -hmm. um, well, and like in the development process too, like we explored a lot of uh, contemporaries and what else is on the market. Like I don't like all red dots. Uh, I do like 
this one though, especially like some of some of the early iterations of this one and what this one evolved into, or or competitive. There are there are other ones that I like, but there are plenty of them that I don't like. So there, it's not just like a red dot you can't go wrong. I think I think this one in particular turned out turned out very nice. What well, years of feedback, mm-hmm. uh, years of even development, uh, years of testing. I mean. Both, you know, live fire durability testing, you know, lab durability testing. I mean, these, they're, it actually is amazing to me that there's just a lot going on with, you know, the slide of a pistol and the thing going bang. And yeah, it's just, it's really cool how durable they are, that they hold zero, that they keep working like, at the end of the day, it's an LED and a reflective lens. Like, it's not a very complicated device, but then everything else around it actually get, like, it's it's fairly elaborate what all goes into making a successful one uh, versus just one that that functions. Um, but one that one that can can live in this environment. A pistol is a, an a, an abusive environment to live in. I mean, I guess that's what I was getting at. Yeah, yeah. Either whether it's in the military duty application, law enforcement application, or just think about think about the life that your phone lives. You know, right. like in in the span of time that that you're you have a cell phone. I mean, how long do you have it before it it starts to you know, fall off in functionality or it cracks or, you know, something like that. And, and concealed carry pistols live in that, that same environment. You know, they, they, they go on and off every day. They get bumped into things, temperature swings, moisture, dust. Um, it, it, it's kind of a hard environment to live in for an extended period of time when everything else, like in your daily life, I mean, besides your phone, your keys, and you know uh, a carry pistol. What else do you carry on a daily basis? Or you know maybe a knife that isn't disposable. Like like the clothes we're wearing now are going to wear out and be you know somewhere else in two years, where a product like this is expected to go five, ten, fifteen, twenty years. It takes a it takes a lot of thought to make a an electronic product that that will will be subjected to that life for that long and still come out on the other side. Darn right. No, it's cool, man. I think uh, I think I'm gonna get me one or two of these new ones. Yeah, yeah. I got I got an order in. <laughs> <laughs> I just ordered I just ordered a case of them. I'll I'll figure out what to do with them. Later. <laughs> a case. I like it. Ah, uh, man. Fun talk, Adam. Yeah. Anything that- Anything else? Any Anything else that that we should have touched on that we didn't touch on with this dot or just red dots in general. I mean, for me, I think it's special. Like, like I think of, I, I just started at vortex when we launched the UH one mm-hmm. and I was, I was fortunate enough to be the first one that ever got to use it in competition. Oh, cool. Yeah. Of an early prototype that, you know, and all of our products are special, but they're not all special to everybody. <laughs> and so, um, I really like this one. This one resonates with me too because like this is kind of a milestone product I think for us and then and then me also cuz like I um you know I got this one early on and and in my shooting career this is this is the dot that I made grandmaster with in USPSA which is you know that puts you in the top the top um 5% in that sport. Um and this is the product that I did it with. So even 
even when uh, you know this product evolves, this one in particular, I think, is still going to be special to me just because of kind of where it was in the in the evolution of of firearms technology and and where I was career wise with it at the time. So um, this one's this one's pretty cool. You know, we we come out we come out with a little bit of something every year, but but this one this one was a is a milestone product for me. So I like it. I like it. Well, coming from a person that oftentimes really loves magnification, I can say that oftentimes red dots are the answer. Uh, and, yeah, this Defender ST, I think, is likely the answer for a lot of things. It is. It is. It's going to be the default for, for a lot of things for a long time, I think, uh, for the Vortex Nation on... Uh, a variety of shooting applications. I think, I think we're going to find places for it that we haven't even thought of yet. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Adam. Awesome. It's always a pleasure having you. Thanks for having me. Always love to be on the show. Yeah. Yeah. We need, we should, we should do this more often. Uh, so thank you. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, yeah. If you're thinking about topping one of your farms, you may want to be thinking about a red dot and you may want to be thinking about specifically the new, Defender ST. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, get on down to your local Vortex dealer and check it out. Very cool. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Bye. There you have it, folks. Thank you very much for listening. As usual, give this video a like if you liked it. Comment something below and give us a subscribe to the Vortex Nation podcast channel. It would mean a lot to us. Also, why don't you give us a follow over on Instagram while you're at it, at Vortex Nation Podcast. We'd love to hear from you over there, and we'll keep you updated with all kinds of cool photos and videos from our adventures that we do here. Otherwise, we will see you on the next one. Thank you again. Happy hunting and shooting, everybody. Have a good one.